Well, welcome to our third season of KnowledgeCast. If you're a regular listener, we're certainly glad to have you back with us again. And if you're a first-time listener, welcome. And we hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. And you'll join us again next week. We have a great list of guests scheduled for our third season. And you can read about them by going to jackwwilliams.com and scrolling down to the podcast section. Well, our guest today is Gary Stoke. And Gary is the CEO of Beach Bowl Inc. He is a former NC State uh, basketball player and assistant coach. And after coaching, Gary began his sports marketing career with Converse and Adidas Shoe Companies. Gary was named the CEO of the Peach Bowl in 1998 and literally transformed that bowl to become one of the elite bowls in the country. The Peach Bowl actually has the second longest streak of consecutive sellouts of all the bowl games. And to put that in proper perspective and appreciate that, when the bowl season comes up, take a look at all the empty seats that you see at the majority of the other bowl games. Gary also pioneered the Peach Bowl kickoff game, which has been so successful that uh, a couple of other organizations have followed his lead and tried to duplicate that effort. And just recently, Gary was also named one of Atlanta's most admired CEOs. Gary and I first met when we were both volunteers with the Peach Bowl, serving on the team selection committee and uh, took a couple trips together. So, Gary, welcome to Knowledge Cast. Jack, great to catch up with you. Thanks for having us today. Well, I want to get right to an interesting fact that a lot of people don't know about you. Uh, you started off in the athletic shoe business and uh, came very close to landing Michael Jordan to a shoe contract before uh, he ended up landing with Nike. Tell us about that story. Yeah, sorry you brought that up. Um, <laughs> back in uh, 1980, I had uh, been coaching at North Carolina State, uh, got decided to get out of coaching and had the opportunity to go to Adidas, open up their regional office in Atlanta and um, moved to Atlanta from Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I had uh, subsequently signed Herschel Walker to an Adidas contract, Mike Krzyzewski when he came from Army to Duke to an Adidas contract. So in, in effect, I had signed the best basketball coach ever. I had signed arguably the best college football player ever. And in 19, uh, the early 80s, Michael Jordan in 84 was going to uh, the uh, Olympic trials in Indianapolis. And I had taken care of Michael with Adidas products uh, when he played in North Carolina. Dean Smith was getting paid $250,000 from Converse. And uh, therefore, Michael couldn't wear Adidas in the game, although he wanted to. Um, when he went to Indianapolis to play for Bobby Knight uh, as head coach of the U.S. Olympic team, I had sent him the first $100 leather pair of basketball shoes ever in the United States called the Forum. And I have pictures of Michael wearing those at the Olympic trials. Um, and when Michael uh, decided to come out and play in the pros, he, uh, he said, I want to sign with Adidas. And David Falk, his agent, worked on his mother, Michael's mother, to get him to go to Nike to hear what Nike had to say. And Michael said, no, I want to sign with Adidas. Well, finally, Michael's mother uh, acquiesced, got Michael to go to Beaverton. And in the book called Shoe Dogs, a book written by Phil Knight on the history of Nike, in the book, it says that Michael, when they came out of the meeting, Michael's father said, well, we have to sign with Nike. Their presentation was outstanding. We're signing with Nike. And David Falk 
his agent said, yeah, this is a great offer. We're signing with Nike. And Michael's quoted in the book. Can't remember what page it is, but says, no, I want to sign with Adidas. Oh, wow. Michael then came back to uh, North Carolina and he and I met in Franklin Street in Chapel Hill on a stone wall that borders the North Carolina campus drinking a Coca-Cola. I was probably 28. Michael was 23, I guess. And uh, he said, uh, Mr. Stoken, called me Mr. Stoken. Mr. Stoken, I love you. You've been great to me and my family and I love your product. If you can just get close on the shoe deal, the car deal, the annuity, the clothing program, I'll sign with you. <laughs> and I wrote up a three page marketing campaign, sent it to Herzgenar, West Germany, because the wall, wall was still up in West Germany and um, Herzegenar was the home of Adidas. And the Germans and Adidas said, came back to me and said, well, we don't have that kind of money to put in the US marketplace. Uh, this, this is 1984. And again, going back to Shoe Dogs, the book by Phil Knight, Nike was boarding on bankruptcy. They couldn't find a bank to fund them. And they were in the, in the uh, red big time. Uh, it was two and a half million dollars. Um, and, uh, and Nike winds up sent, signing Michael after Adidas didn't give me the money and we couldn't sign him. Uh, Nike signs him. He signed, he sells $126 million of Air Jordan product the first year as a rookie with the Chicago Bulls of Air Jordan product. That puts Nike back in the black. And as Paul Harvey says, there's the rest of the story. Um, I subsequently, every year, I take my family somewhere after the bowl game. And so I guess it was that after his rookie year, we went to the Bahamas and uh, Michael used to run his golf tournament in the Bahamas. So as me and my family are walking through the Atlantis to go to dinner, uh, over to the left by the casino, there's a cigar shop and all kinds of shops over there. My, my daughter, who was about 10 at the time, said, there's Michael Jordan over there. And I looked over. I said, yeah, it is. Come on, let's walk over. We walked over, and he had a Ahmad Rashad, Charles Barkley, and Charles Oakley with him because they were playing in his golf tournament. And Michael sees me, and he says, gee, come here. Calls me over, and in front of my daughters, he puts me in a headlock and says, this is the hardest working man in sports. You should know that about your dad. My daughter still remembers that. But he told the story I just told you, but he told Barkley, Oakley, and Ahmad Rashad. He said, yeah, Gary didn't think I could play, and that's why he didn't sign me to an Adidas. <laughs> so he stuck a dagger right in my heart. Yeah, he, he built you up for that one, didn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was – or else I'd have, I'd have signed the greatest basketball player as well as the – greatest basketball coach and the, and the greatest college football player, all to Adidas uh, deals. But yeah, wow. that, that's something I regret. I, I wasn't strong enough in my, my uh, time at Adidas to really reinforce that, hey, no, I'm not taking no for an answer. This is something we have to do. Because I knew Michael was going to be a great player. And um, unfortunately, I let the higher-ups call the shot. And um, unfortunately, uh, I learned my lesson the hard way. Well, I knew the, the overall story, but I certainly didn't know all the, the details. Uh, that, that's, quite a, that's quite a story. 
Well, let's move to uh, the, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. You know, it's really one of the, uh, I'm biased, but I think anybody uh, would agree with this that's been associated with any of the bowls. I think it's one of the greatest success stories in the college bowl business for, you know, history. And it went from almost going out of business to being now one of the premier bowls uh, out there. Walk us through a little bit of the, the history and what you feel like was the turning point. I know you came on board in 1998 as the CEO, but you were involved a little bit before that as a volunteer when I was. But what, what, how do you think all this happened? Well, I think there's a few milestones and sometimes better lucky than good. Um, we were blessed with Chick-fil-A signing on in 1997 as the title sponsor. And at the time, um, uh, Chick-fil-A's uh, area of sales went from Virginia down to Texas, which overlaid perfectly the Southeast in our deal with the ACC and SEC teams that we would have in our bowl game. So um, they were just growing, believe it or not. This is Chick-fil-A prior to being a national power they are now. And um, so Chick-fil-A coming on as a title sponsor, they got college football, they got the demographics, and they were a tremendous partner in helping us grow. Um, I think our staff, our board, our volunteers, you know, did a tremendous job um, providing Southern hospitality. Um, we were blessed with having the Georgia Dome, which was a great facility to play in. And then geographically having you know, all the infrastructure that we have that's just built to host big sporting events and for people to be able to drive to Atlanta rather easily during the holidays, as well as a lot of the alumni bases of the ACC and SEC living in Metro Atlanta. You know, we just had all the, the right uh, ingredients to put the recipe together for a successful bowl game. So all that put into a bowl mixed up, uh, we, we were able to go on a run of 17 straight sellouts, um, you know, having uh, great fan support, having great corporate support in this city uh, that the CEOs get college football um, and our board uh, worked together uh, with us and the staff and the volunteers to make it all happen. So um, that's probably it in a, in a macrocosm, in a microcosm to be able to really take uh, Chick-fil-A and what they were doing in marketing and what we were doing in marketing together uh, really made for the success. We'd, we'd meet every month and we'd start the meeting with how can we help you? And they would reciprocate with how can we help you? So it really was a partnership rather than a sponsorship. And that's why I say it's probably the greatest uh, sports sponsorship partnership uh, example that I can think of in, in sports business. And it continues to this day. They're now the longest uh, sponsor of a bowl game in the history of bowls. And um, we continue to be successful. And obviously they're wildly successful being national now in scope. Um, but a little, little hint, I, I remember Dan Cathy telling me, when they were just in the Southeast basically, but they started to look to branch out. He flew to California and met with a developer and said, you know, we're thinking of bringing our, our restaurants out here. And he said, Chick-fil-A and, and the developer said, oh, I know you guys. 
you're the guys that have the bowl game in December. The college football <laughs> bowl game. So we were better known back then as, as a bowl game than Chick-fil-A was known as a restaurant. And now, obviously, that's, that's uh, probably quite a different uh, formula. But uh, it, it truly shows that their national marketing was primarily put into the bowl. And that's the only national marketing dollars they spent. But they get a bit, good bang for their buck. Uh, with the uh, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl and continues today. I can't think of a better partner to have with their culture and and uh, how they do things. And it's certainly been a win-win for, for both groups. Well, you also were the first to come up with the idea of the Chick-fil-A kickoff game model. What was your logic behind that? Well, I'm a very competitive person. And um, in 2006, the uh, BCS uh, had decided to bring on another bowl game to run a national championship game. So right currently the Fiesta, the Rose, the Sugar and the Orange were the four bowls that made up of the BCS. Uh, we put a strong bid in, didn't win the bid. The four existing bowl games met with the commissioners and said, hey, how about letting us run our bowl game and then two weeks later on a, on a rotational basis, let us run the national championship game. And they were successful in selling that on the commissioners. So uh, we didn't win that bid. In 2007, the NCAA legislated the 12th game to the college football schedule. And I took that game and went to my board and I said, look, if they're not gonna let us in the backside of the season in the BCS, we're going to start a BCS type bowl game on the front side of the season. And um, I, I call it basically uh, the Daytona 500 of college football. I <laughs> subsequently received a cease and desist letter from <laughs> Daytona 500 asking me to quit using that term. But that's basically what we had done. We had started a bowl game on the front side of the season. And I went to Terry Don Phillips, who was the AD at, at Clemson, knowing they were going to be a top 10 team with C.J. Spiller and Taj Boyd and that team. And, and I said, you know, we'd love to have you come to Atlanta. They had been the number one team in appearances in the Peach Bowl in its history. And so I knew their fans loved coming to Atlanta. We had a lot of fans living in Atlanta, so they'd buy the tickets. And at that time, we didn't control the TV rights um, because they were part of the conference package. So you had to make the payouts to the teams through your sponsorship and your ticket sales. Uh, I went to, to uh, Nick Saban, who was in his second year at Alabama. They had just lost to Louisiana Monroe his first year and finished seven and six. Um, and uh, Nick was a friend. I had helped him in 2000 when uh, they were trying to grow LSU's program. And Nick was at LSU. And Nick called me and said, Gary, we've got to get to your bowl game. It's the best bowl we can get to. We're trying to grow a program down here. So I flew down. I met with Nick Saban, met with the chancellor, Mark Emmert, who is now the president of the NCAA. Right. And Charlie Busby, who was the, uh, or Charlie Weems, who was the chair of their uh, LSU alumni. And I said, you know, you have to sell tickets. You have to promote the game. And they said, yes, we will, we will, we will. I came back to our team selection committee, which at the time, uh, Lehman Bennett, I believe, was chairing. And I told Lehman, we need to select LSU. Now, we had Georgia Tech, who was ranked 14th on one side. 
And um, when I went to the committee and said, we're going to take LSU, they voted me down and said, no, we're not. Uh, because we had LSU in 1996. Uh, Jerry DiNardo was the coach. He didn't promote the game. They didn't sell any tickets. We don't want LSU back. And I said, well, I've talked to the head coach, the president of the, the alumni association, the president of the school. Uh, they said they're going to do all this. I trust them. Let's go with them. I'll put my job on the line. Now, as you said in the beginning, I took the job in 1998. This was 2000. So I'd only been in it two years. I said, I'm putting my job on the line. Uh, you know, if you back me, that they'll do what they say they're going to do. So the committee said, okay, you got it. And uh, I still remember the first day of ticket sales, LSU sold 16,421 tickets, which was a record at the time on a first day of ticket sales. I wound up selling it. about yeah. 21,000 tickets. Um, and I remember calling Terry Saban, Nick Saban's house. And she said, please tell me we're coming to Atlanta. Please come and come to Atlanta. I said, well, pack your bags. You're coming to Atlanta. And she let out a woohoo. Um, and LSU came up, won the game. Um, uh, Rohan Davy hit, uh, Jay, uh, hit Reed in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. And every one of the kids in Houston playing in the Under Armour All-American game saw that game. And when I went back to campus to meet with Nick Saban to do the survey, he said, Gary, everybody we recruited saw that game and signed with us. And that's the team that won the national championship in 03 at LSU. So Nick Saban was kind of beholden to me in that way. And so when I asked him to come over in, in uh, 2008 to play in our Chick-fil-A kickoff game, he said, Gary, I'd love to. We'll come over and play because if I can win Alabama recruiting in number one and finish second in Georgia, we'll play for national championships. Well, Alabama came over, they won 34 to 10. They were on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Alabama's back. And if Nick Saban were on this call, he would tell you that was the start of the run that Alabama has been on ever since because they went on next year to come back to our Chick-fil-A kickoff game, ranked fifth. And they played Virginia Tech and Frank Beamer, number seven. They wound up winning that game. They won the national championship. And on that national championship team, they had 19 kids from Georgia on their roster. Oh, wow. Um, so that's how we got it started. And, um, you know, we've been very blessed to have the relationships to keep bringing coaches back to play here in Atlanta. Well, I know it's been uh, kind of a tough pill for the, for the folks at Alabama that, that have played in uh, kickoff games. Uh, they have not fared too well against uh, Saban. Uh, well, let's let's wrap up with, uh, you know, we've still got ongoing changes in the collegiate environment and uh, landscape, and we're now going to a 12-team playoff here in the future. Tell us about your thoughts on that and how, you, you know, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl you hope will fit into that scenario. Well, the plan right now is to uh, potentially play in 24 and 25 before this contract ends the 12-team playoff where the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl would potentially be a quarterfinal in 24 and a semifinal in 25. Uh, we'll also host the national championship game in 25. And, um, and then the new contract would take place in 26 
moving forward. Um, I think college football is in, a, in an interesting time right now, and you've played it, so you know it uh, as well as anybody. Um, what I worry about is that these, these collectives of alumni and donors, um, my belief is that money should be there for kids after they graduate college and place them in jobs. There's 98% of the kids on a college football team that aren't going to see the pro football field. And even let's say there's 10 per team, half of those aren't going to see it past three years. So you got all these kids. And I still believe that the opportunity to go to college on a scholarship is worth somewhere probably $50,000 a year. Um, and to leave college football without any debt is a great opportunity for college student athletes, number one. Number two, I believe after they get their degree, they ought to be remunerated with, you know, a trust fund of let's say $50,000. Um, the school ought to take care of their, their medical for the next 10 years. And if they don't get their, their, their degree, they should allow them to come back at scholarship anytime during their lifetime to get their degree. We have to maintain that we're college athletics and the degree is what's most important. Not an NFL, uh, it's great for kids to go to the NFL and God bless them if they do, but we're college athletics. We don't need to be NFL light and follow the NFL route and pay kids in college. Um, uh, you know, that, that's, to me, that sends the wrong message. Uh, let them get their BAOG Pell Grants, let them get NIL but let's make sure they get their degree. And if they get their degree, let these collectives, alumni and donors be there to place them in jobs to get them on with the rest of their life. I think that's something we're missing right now. Sure, the transfer portal needs to be cleaned up. The NIL needs to be have guardrails on it. Um, but I think we're, we're moving too far down the road like NFL light. And I think that's a mistake. Well, I'm in your camp. I'm not sure we're in the majority, but I'm in your camp about the value of the degree and holding that uh, those funds till graduation. Um, I just think we don't need another NFL minor league out there, and that's kind of what it's what it's going to, and kind of a free agent market with the with the portal. I, I know they'll get that under control here shortly. They'll have to. But it's going to be interesting, and, and once again, you have positioned your bowl to, to be right in the thick of uh, the championship uh, the championship game and the, and the, the semifinals. Well, Gary, listen, I, I know your schedule has been absolutely crazy, and I want to thank you for spending time with us today. And uh, I want to again say that what you and the Peach Bowl staff have done with the Peach Bowl-related games, the activities, the community involvement, the charitable work, we didn't even have time to get into that. It's just been truly amazing, and, and I know that you're going to continue to be keeping a, keeping a close eye on all the, the playoff and potential conference changes coming up in the near future, and uh, it's an it's a ever-changing landscape, and the Peach Bowl is going to be right in the middle of it. So thanks again for spending time and sharing with us today. Well, Jack, great to see you again. Great to be with you again, and appreciate all you do with your ideals and uh, your programs that you run for kids and, and I call them kids. I guess I'm old enough to call them kids uh, for young people and uh, keep on keeping on. And uh, we'll see you on a football field somewhere. Appreciate it. Well, as we close another of our podcast, thanks to each of you for making our podcast part of your day. And I, 
I want to once again challenge you uh, this week to try to be a positive influence in the lives of others. And I look forward to having you back again with us next week as we welcome another interesting guest. Have a great week. Hey, before you go, we wanted to let you know about Jack's book called The Question, a guide to answering life's most important question. In this book, Jack shares his personal journey that began in 1993 to determine the values, principles, and beliefs that would guide his life. Whether you are a spouse, parent, grandparent, friend, leader, educator, coach, or mentor, Jack's I Believe statements apply to all the roles he has played during his lifetime and can do the same for you. Jack's message applies to all people, ages, and careers. It's an easy read with compelling stories, enjoyable humor, and sincere transparency. The question is now available in ebook and paperback exclusively on Amazon. Go to jackwwilliams.com slash the question to learn more and buy your copy today. Again, thanks for joining us for this episode and join us next week for an all new episode of KnowledgeCast by Ideals.